better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and that's it from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Monday episode of the show. Chris Schubert is just driving around somewhere in the western part of the United States, and it's Kyle and I, and we'll do the best we can to not, you know, wish Chris was here with some bad mistakes or something like that. Welcome, Kyle. What's up, man? He went to Vegas, right? Yeah. Anytime anybody ever goes to Vegas, I think of that scene from The Hangover where Zach Galifianakis is in the back of the car and he's pounding on the Vegas, baby. Woo, Vegas. And the kid flips him off. You know what scene I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's okay. that's what I envision Chris's drive to and subsequently back from Vegas was like. We miss you dearly, Chris. Uh, but I, for one, am glad we're going to talk about the Jets when Chris is not here. So. <laughs> right. So today is AFC <laughs> East Day on the podcast. Continuing our state of the franchises. Working through the Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, and Jets today. Kyle, we've been going alphabetical, so that means the Bills are up first. And we start with the recent draft halls. And when I look through the Bills' recent draft halls, 2017 was a foundational draft for the Bills, and it was the first draft that they had with Sean McDermott in the building, and they came away with Trey White and Deion Dawkins and Matt Milano, and those are franchise cornerstones. They've all been extended to long-term contracts, and that really set the tone right off the bat, and then they went and they got their quarterback and their linebacker, right, and Josh Allen and, and Tremaine Edmonds the following year, and then it felt like ever since they got that nucleus in place, they've really been attacking the trenches and attacking projects, you know, players that don't necessarily have a long resume at the particular position that they're playing like a Dawson Knox or a Gregory Rousseau, or even a Spencer Brown, but they're betting on traits and their ability to develop players. And heck they, they did that with Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds. And I think that probably gave them some confidence to uh, go after some more raw players uh, with a high ceiling and uh, really trust the established roster that they have. So I don't think they've gotten everything right. I think they wish Ed Oliver was a more impactful player and Cody Ford was a more impactful player, but uh, you know, they're, they're entering year three. There's a lot still for them to prove, but where they were able to get done in 2017 and 2018 really set the tone for where the bills are. What is your temperature? I suppose of, they seem like they have some, I don't want to call them blind spots, but they, it feels like they just have some spots like the nickel slash CB two and running back. And it's not necessarily in the running backs position for lack of investment, right? They've yeah. used running backs in, in the third round in consecutive drafts in 2019 and 2020. So what do you make of that? Is it just like the DNA of what they're looking for there or I don't know. I, I guess not having the familiarity with the bills that yeah. you do of all people. Uh, I don't have a temperature for that. And that was the one thing I wanted to ask you about before we moved into their team phase. You know, I, and I've been really guilty of this as well. I've, I've really wanted the bills to invest in another cornerback opposite of Tredavious white, and they continue to roll with Levi Wallace. And I think what we have to accept is that the bills really like Levi Wallace. And while he seems upgradable, and obviously he's lacking when it comes to physical traits, UDFA out of Alabama that's skinny, thin, doesn't have explosiveness, doesn't have long speed, but 
He's a smart football player that stays leveraged. He's a really, really good tackler. And he's just where he's supposed to be. And, and I think that they're comfortable with that. And they like the way that he is. And so while he seems upgradable and on a roster where you kind of try to identify those spots, because I don't think there are that many, it really stands out. But they've continued to roll with Levi Wallace. He's been the primary starter opposite of uh, Tredavious White for the last three seasons. And the reality is they've had a top five defense in three, two of the last three seasons with Levi Wallace is their primary starter opposite of Trey White. So um, I, I think they're happy with, 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 with Levi Wallace. And I would be trying to upgrade there, but, um, you know, I'm not calling the shots. I saw Rashad Wild Goose had a play the other day. Yeah, he played a lot better preseason week two than he did in week one. Yeah. Big fan. So, Great name. It's an elite name. Yeah, and he uh, launched uh, no partnership, but he launched his uh, – little clothing line there over the weekend with, with, the, you know, oh, the goose and, yeah. Yeah. We got a name like wild goose. You got to capitalize. Right. So yes. Yeah, he did. So good for him. Uh, all right. So good question there when it comes to the bills draft history, um, life cycle status. If you don't have anything else to add on the draft halls of late, Ew, I don't. All right. I have the bills as a long-term contender. Um, so much of what they have is locked up long-term. Obviously, Coach McDermott, they just gave Josh Allen all the money. Trey White's being paid handsomely. Deion Dawkins are left tackle. Uh, I mean, the, the, the roster's pretty much secure. And the team has been ascending over the last several years, 10 and 6. Obviously, the first round loss to the Texans in 2019, but 13 and 3 last year, AFC Championship game. It certainly feels like they're on that trajectory of having staying power and the way they've constructed their roster and locked up so much of it, you know, they feel that way as well. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and the biggest thing for me, and it's any team that's kind of stuck in limbo or purgatory or whatever you want to call it is, is can you string together winning seasons? Right. And Buffalo's had three in the last four years. Yeah. And obviously two in a row for them. So uh, that's been a big point of progress for Buffalo that I think was uh, necessary for us to put them in this bucket instead of being a young contender. You know, they, they are a long-term contender with the nucleus of the team that's locked in. They can probably rinse and repeat for two or three years before they have to make any difficult decisions. And then uh, that's a great place to be. And now it's you hope everybody stays healthy and you're able to catch lightning in a bottle and potentially close the gap on those elites like Kansas City that oh, they had a chance to play twice last year and they just didn't quite have enough to stick with them uh, down the stretch in either one of their, their two contests with Kansas City. Yeah, I think the key is, right, like you want to make sure that you don't do a Tennessee Titans, right, where they right. kind of had their glow up. They go to the AFC Championship game and – they were a good football team the year after, but they just they they won lost. more games. They did, too. but it didn't feel like it, right? Because like defensively, they struggled so mm -hmm. badly and they didn't replace Dean Pease. And, you know, I feel like the Bills have been so lucky to keep their coaching staff intact and now going into year four, you know, with uh, Dable as the offensive coordinator and then year five with Leslie Frazier. I mean, it's pretty unheard of. And that's been a major benefit to the development of the team and all the, the talent on the roster. So, um, yeah, I think 10 and six, 13 and three playoffs, both years, like they don't like 
you, you don't want to stall out. <laughs> you want to keep right. that going. Don't, and so, don't get complacent. Right, right. All right, so future needs for the Buffalo Bills. This is what I have down. Um, I'm keeping corner there, and whether or not they like Levi Wallace, his contract is up after the season, so they'll have to decide on him once again, and I'm not sure he's coming back for peanuts, right? I mean, like he signed like a one-year, one-and-a-half million-dollar deal to come back, and I thought that was kind of surprising, and it's not that I'm Levi Wallace's biggest fan, but he's been a starter for multiple seasons on a good defense. Like you'd think he could get a, a two-year, six-million-dollar deal from somebody, so I think they're going to actually have to pay him if they want him back after the season. Mm-hmm. Interior offensive line stands out to me. Um, Cody Ford, John Feliciano, I think are both upgradable at guard. Mitch Morse could be a cap casualty at center. So I think interior offensive line, interior defensive line is something that stands out. I think the bills could use depth. I mean, even if Ed Oliver takes that step this year, Starla Tula is kind of an aging player at one tech. I think they can use depth and, and an eventual starter at one tech. And then I, if I were the bills, I'd, I'd be investing in wide receivers. I think that's your vehicle. That's your your, your stock, straw that stirs the drink on offenses. Josh Allen throwing the ball to wide receivers. And Cole Beasley's entering a contract year after this season. Emmanuel Sanders has always been kind of a one-year thing. And to run, you know, 10 personnel as frequently as the Bills do, you need four good receivers. So I would, I would be looking to make an investment fairly early in the draft next year when it comes to the wide receiver position. And then I got a little star next to tight end. Dawson Knox needs to prove himself this year or the Bills probably need to go in a different direction at tight end. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest. Both are open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo where you can make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, and boxing right to horse racing. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Miami has the Dolphins, Joe. They do. The second team today. Obviously, you got to sit in the captain's chair to talk about the Bills. I would know better than to challenge your knowledge. Uh, but if you don't mind, I'd like to kind of run point on the draft history of the Dolphins, and, and hopefully you have a – uh, inquisitive question for me, like I prepared for you when we talked about Buffalo. All right. Fair enough. Uh, there are still some fans out there who do not think Chris Greer is very good at his job, which is just wild to me. When you look at the draft class of 2016 that had Tunsil, Laramie Tunsil, Xavier Howard, Kenyon Drake uh, with hit their first three picks in the first three rounds. And then they also secured Jakeem Grant, who was a second-team All-Pro specialist last year. Uh, The 2017 draft was the absolute worst-case scenario for Miami uh, in that they drafted a bunch for need uh, with Charles Harris, Raquel McMillan, and Cordray Tankersley with their first three rounds, and that was a disaster train wreck. Uh, Then 2018, Minka Fitzpatrick, Mike Gusecki, Jerome Baker were their first three picks. Uh, Obviously, 
Tunsil and Fitzpatrick, all pros elsewhere, not on the team anymore, but they got good assets for both of those players, uh, which indicates that they were successful picks. Uh, in the seventh round of that 2018 draft, they secured Jason Sanders, the kicker, uh, who was first team all pro last year, but yet not the Pro Bowl selection for kicker. Hmm. Um, makes sense of that, other than the guy's name who got it was Justin Tucker, and it's a popularity contest. I don't know. And that's no shade against Justin Tucker. We've talked about my love for Justin Tucker on this podcast many a time. Uh, and then the reset happens where they are literally looking for foundational pieces and they stocked up on a bunch of draft picks and draft by volume in the early rounds. Uh, in the last two years, they've had five first round picks an additional four second round picks, two third round picks on top of that. A lot of young talent that's been brought in, uh, some questionable immediate returns. Uh, but I think the thing that needs to, to be remembered, Joe, is you talked about the 17 draft being a formative one for the Buffalo Bills in their rebuild process, right? Uh, for Miami, the 2019 year was year one of the rebuild. And some of these selections that were made in 1920 uh, were made with the long-term view in mind. So they were players that were a little bit more developmental, like in Austin Jackson and Anoa Igbenogany, who uh, neither one of those two has really lived up to expectations. And in the preseason this year, there's still some questions there. Uh, but I think by and large, you look at the body of work, some of the guys that they found in the later rounds, like Van Ginkle in the fifth, Miles Gaskin in the seventh, Jason Sanders in the seventh. They've done a nice job finding some good value later in the draft to go with drafting by volume early in the draft and playing the law of averages game. I think the question I want to ask you is the jury is still out on all three of those 2020 first round picks mm -hmm. to a uh, Jackson Igbenogany. And I think they're all at very different places in terms of their, their development as, as players. And so yep. based on your vast knowledge of this front office and, and coaching staff, what are your expectations in terms of the leash here? Like how long do you think they will give those players to prove what they are and when they may need to move on? And I, I don't think that we're close to that. I mean, these guys have played one season and two preseason games. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot left to learn about all three of those players, but I mean, that's your quarterback, your off your left tackle and a cornerback. I mean, premium positions. Yep. What, what, I mean, what, how long do you think this leash is? Well, it's especially hard because their second round picks from that class were Robert Hunt, and Raekwon Davis, and Robert Hunt was yeah. a monster on Saturday night against Atlanta. And he's looked really good in both showings at guard and looked good at training camp. So, and he was their most effective run blocker in 2019 as a rookie and Raekwon Davis, obviously uh, taking big steps forward. I think one thing that we've seen from this specific regime is they do not make emotional decisions. You look at, they brought in Kyle Van Noy and Shaq Lawson and Eric Flowers in free agency. And those guys were going within a year. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're spending first round picks on guys, I do think it is a little different. Um, I think there will be some grace because the team looks at what they've been able to get, even from UDFAs uh, like Nick Needham, who has comfortably passed Noah Igbenogany on the death chart as a UDFA from the 2019 draft. And uh, they are very much a draft and develop mentality. But now that this team has transitioned into 
we expect to contend. That's why you look at the players they brought in in 2021 with Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips, Javon Holland, Liam Eikenberg. Those four players were are all players who were perceived to be high floor and even higher ceiling for what they can do and contribute immediately. So it was a pretty drastic deviation from the ideology that landed you OT five at number 18 in Austin Jackson, knowing full well that he needed a lot of time to develop. So uh, I think their leash, depending on what they show this year, will probably shorten significantly uh, if they do not show growth from the start of the season to the end of the season. If I could ask you a question that I meant to text you earlier today, and we'll just oh, do, it. Cool. We'll just do cool. it for the podcast. Cool. Jalen Phillips played 27 snaps on Saturday. Mm-hmm. 20 of them were as a run defender. Yeah. And, <laughs> and there was five rushes and then two where he dropped in coverage. Did the Falcons just not pass the ball? I, they didn't I, pass the ball. Okay. <laughs> like, so they, how, how in an NFL game did at 27 snaps, did this guy not get more than five chances to rush the passer? Well, especially when you consider Miami was up at one point, like 30 to seven. Right. The Falcons had 15 attempts for the entire game and six passing of the, attempts, passing attempts for the entire game. Good night. Okay. So McCarron, uh, unfortunately tore his ACL in the first quarter of the game. So it was Felipe Frank show oh the boy. entire way. Okay. And he was four of nine for 46 yards and was sacked four times. Uh, and they, they ran the ball 31 times for almost 200. They yards. just wanted the game to be over. Correct. Okay. They were like, get let's it. get the hell out of Dodge here. Yeah. And they had done joint practices and stuff throughout the week, I'm sure. All week. Yeah, they yep. were done. They were yep. done. Yeah. Getting their asses kicked, and they were done. They were done. So if we're classifying the Dolphins, young contender, I think, is the appropriate one. What we just got done saying with the Bills and why we're able to classify them as a long-term contender, they made the playoffs consecutive seasons. They had winning years in consecutive seasons. They made a playoff run. Miami has not done that yet. Of course, they missed the playoffs last year with a 10-6 and record. But I think if this team wins 10 games again this year, potentially you win a playoff game, I think they could be perceived, based on the youth of the roster, the nucleus that's been put in place, they could be perceived going into 2022 as a long-term contender. But we need to see the growth from Tua Tungvaloa maintained and sustained throughout the entire season and the Dolphins need to win 10-plus games yet again in 2021. So what's the difference between a young contender and win now? For me, a win-now team is your window is closing. Okay. A young contender is you have the potential to compete, but you haven't done it yet. Well, then I think young contender is the most – logical place to put them because they're not directionalists. They're not rebuilding. Correct. They're not a team in transition. They're not a long-term contender at this point. So I think young contender with a lot of young talent, a good young head coach and coming off of a a double digit win season where I think, you know, coming off of that five and four finish in 2019, I mean, their, their last, whatever 16 plus nine is that many games have been pretty good. Yeah. They're, uh, 15 and 10 in their last 25 total games under Brian Flores. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I think, I think that is the appropriate place to put it then. Patriots. Well, we got to talk about the future needs of the, Oh, excuse me. Yes. (laughs) I wanted to gloss right over it. So (laughs) 
for me, when I look at the Dolphins roster, there's still uncertainties littered across the offensive line uh, where you need to figure out if Michael Dieter's a long-term answer. I thought he played well on Saturday against the Falcons, but we'll see what he does long-term. Liam Eikenberg, I expect, is going to get a long-term shot to hold the right tackle job, but you still do need to be leery of Austin Jackson at left tackle. They acquired Greg Little via trade. They've got a type, but at some point you got to start asking yourself, hey, is, is going the route of an Eichenberg who was a little bit more of a technician at the position, is that an appropriate course of action if we can't get some of these young guys with a bunch of tools to stick? I would classify offensive tackle still as a need at this point in time because Eichenberg may play this year at left guard. That's been not been answered yet. So, And Austin Jackson needs to prove it and, and slam the door shut. Running back is an obvious need for the team, but that's a complicated need because the team just apparently doesn't, doesn't They won't care. panic. We know they won't panic. Yes, and they pick will. One. They, they will won't Keyshawn Vaughn it, right? Correct. They're not <laughs> going to say, oh, my God, we wanted Antonio Gibson and he's gone, so let's take the exact polar opposite of that player <laughs> in Keyshawn Vaughn and just take him because there's steep drop-off after him. So uh, I think wide receiver, you look at Will Fuller's on a contract here, Devontae Parker – soft tissue injuries again this year in camp uh, limiting for him. Albert Wilson's in a contract year. They've got some young guys, Waddle, Bowden Jr. Uh, they ha- Kirk Merritt ha- has flashed in free agency. Matt Collins is primarily a special teams guy, but has come on as a receiver this year in camp. They have some redeeming names, but if Will Fuller and Albert Wilson don't come back after 2021, I don't think there's any question. Wide receivers, another spot that you can visit for that team. Uh, and then defensively, you've got Emmanuel Ogbo who's in a contract year who you need to figure out, are you going to pay him $15 million per season or not? Because that's probably what he's going to expect if that's what Matt Judon got from the New England Patriots in a down year with the cap. Uh, and, and then you're going to have to continue to sort out the Xavier Howard contract long-term amid concerns about his long-term durability with his history of knee issues. So that's where Noig Benogany becomes very important in how well he plays this year. And Nick Needham, despite not being that caliber of an athlete, has been very instinctive thus far in camp. And they're not even giving him looks at nickel anymore. He's just playing outside. And they've given Justin Coleman, who's in the, a contract year, uh, effectively the slot role. So uh, I think there's a, a fair amount of needs on both sides of the ball. Uh, but if I had to rank him, I would probably say uh, opposing pass rushers, the most likely one they would tackle early. Uh, wide receiver again, ironically, because they just went those two positions in 2021 with each of their first two picks. Uh, and then the running back position, another investment in the offensive line and potentially a corner. Didn't hear you say linebacker McKinney, Bernard McKinney, one year deal. They're paying Jerome Baker. Are they going to, they want that like downhill guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, so they have, they also brought back Elan and Roberts, on a short-term deal. They just moved him off of PUP uh, this past week. So he's expected to be kind of another thumper type. I guess if you wanted to, to go for a big body guy between the tackles, that's definitely something to watch uh, because McKinney effectively is that player this year with some third down upside, uh, but it would have to be the right kind of fit. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think it's so desperate with how much they're going to go five, six defensive back sets that it's going to have to be a a super urgent need for them if they don't want it to be. All right. So we're ready for the new England Patriots and their recent draft halls. 
Kyle, they have not been very consistent in the draft no. of late. And um, it's amazing what having the greatest of all time at quarterback can do for you, right? And, you know, Bill's had hits in the draft. There's no question, but not lately. You know, and that that's kind of the issue here where I think they've found some role players and, and look, they've had some steals. Michael on Wayne, you in the sixth round. Yes. Like Damian Harris looks like he's going to be their feature back in the third round. Dietrich Weiss in the fourth round was a nice pick. But, I mean, in Keel Harry, that's a black eye for this team right now. Sony Michelle, uh, Duke Dawson, Juwan Bentley is a player that continues to see the field for them somehow. Isaiah Wynn can't stay healthy. Winovich looks good. You know, it's just like it's up and down, mixed bag. And for them to transition out of the Brady era, they really didn't position themselves well. Now, I thought like the plan was going to very much be embrace this run game. And that's why they picked Isaiah Wynn and Sony Michelle in the first round of 2018. And that mm-hmm. was very much like a transitional type idea. And then Michelle is winds up being a below average player and Wynn can't stay healthy. Now, I think a lot of those ingredients exist just in, duff, in different ways based on how they've built up what, what looks like a, a run heavy offense. But, you know, I, I think that this is a team here that needs to, to hit on some of these young players more consistently moving forward for them to, you know, recapture their ability to contend in the AFC. Yeah. I think if you go back to 2016, because the whole objective here is identifying recent draft history, right? Some of their best hits, Joe Thune in the third round, Ted Karras uh, was a really reliable player when David Andrews went down and then went to Miami for a year and came back in free agency. Other than that, Dietrich Weiss being the other primary one that you mentioned, it's young guys that are probably looking at 2021 as the year to prove themselves in guys like Chase Winovich, who flashed a fair amount uh, in Mm -hmm. 2020, but there's more to be taken there for him. Damian Harris, same thing. I think Byron Cowart as a role player, you mentioned role players. I think he, uh, a former five-star recruit from Auburn who ended up at Maryland, has potential to really make some noise. Michael Nwenyu, who you mentioned. Let's see what Kyle Duggar brings to the the field this year. Uh, Josh Uch, Anfordy Jennings. Uh, You feel bad about this double dip at tight end from 2020 with Asai, Asai, and Keen because they followed it up and gave two top five contracts to tight ends in free agency this year. Unreal, right? So – I'm excited. I'm really excited about Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah, he's going to work for them, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I I honestly don't know if Sony Michelle makes the team. Very realistic cut candidate right. in my opinion when you look at all the other backs that they have there, like mm-hmm. he's probably the third in line for early down backs just based on the preseason. So, yeah. Mixed bag is probably the best way to describe it. Dude, and they have like JJ Taylor and James White in addition to Harris right. and Stevenson. Right. So it's like the, the RB five. I'd rather have all four of those players on my active roster, especially because how they all work together. Mm-hmm. than have Mitchell or so Michelle over JJ Taylor, who I think will help them on teams, third down value, scat nice back type player. Spark blood yeah, type runner. A little pain in the ass to deal with, right? Like yep. you get everything that Michelle delivers in Harris and especially in Stevenson. So where do you see this team, Kyle? Life cycle status. This was a difficult one for me. They still feel like a team in transition. 
I think you can make it, make a case for them being uh, a win now franchise. I think some of the moves in free agency and the spending justify that. I will say this, their, their draft class in 2021 is the most excited I've been about a Patriots draft class. Oh, it's good. Since I'd have to keep scrolling for a while, but (laughs) like say what you will about Mac Jones. They made a commitment to the quarterback position. I respect the commitment there, but far more in the second round. Good value. Ronnie Perkins at 96. Good value. Ramondre Stevenson on my board at 120. Good value. Cameron Grown at 177. Good good value. Joshua Bledsoe at 188. Good value. Like, I was in love with what they did with their first seven picks, generally speaking. And I, I wasn't super high on Mac Jones, but I get it. And I get the formula. So, I, I think either... A blend of team and transition and win now yeah. is where I would classify this team. That's where I had them. Um, I'm leaning towards transition just because what they came out of was so sure. significant. You know, mm-hmm. I. <laughs> it's tough, man. It's it, it's it's hard to be a rookie quarterback in the NFL. It's even harder to step in for Tom Brady, and yeah. <laughs> yeah so there's a, there's a lot of transitioning going on here when it comes to future needs. Let me tell you what I have down a wide receiver. I know that they just paid a couple of receivers. I don't think they're done investing there, especially finding don't have a long-term commitment to any of those guys. They don't, they don't. And and they don't have any receivers that are similar to what Mac had at Alabama, right? Like separation specialist, you know, Twitch and athleticism. I, I know Nelson Aguilar is a good deep threat, but they don't really have that type of player. I think offensive tackle is something to be mindful of with Isaiah Wynn's contract status, with Trent Brown's contract status. Uh, interior defensive line, I think they could beef up there. Linebacker, like I've already mentioned, J- Juwan Bentley continues to get playing time for this defense, and I think he's a below-average player. Deonta Hightower's aging. And then at corner with the Stephon Gilmore yeah. situation, they need to be thinking about that. And even safety, I-, I think, is a position where they can be mindful towards the future and getting some more young talent there. So – um, a wide receiver really stands out and the rest are more, okay, be mindful of this because there's depth concerns and, you know, long-term things to be mindful of. Yeah. I, I think the high post safety with McCourty, uh, who's what, like a 10 year vet at this point in time, <laughs> yes. like safeties, there are safeties who age gracefully in the NFL and McCourty's been one of them, but you again, just need to be mindful because, Transition is a name that's going to come up a lot when you look at this roster, whether it's McCourty or Gilmore or Hightower or Van Noy, who they brought back in free agency after he was cut. Like you got some young guys back there with Anthony Jennings and Josh Uch and okay. But now you like, you got to go out and, and make that leap. So there's opportunities to be had some unproven talent, um, or, or at least to the degree in which our expectations are there for the new England Patriots. Did you know that Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. They have coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, cookies and cream, orange, strawberry, and salted caramel. And look, maybe you don't know where to start. Try a mixed box. That's where you can get two of each of the nine flavors. Try them all and figure out which ones you like the best. And not only are Bilt Bars the best tasting protein bars on the planet, they're healthy too. Check out these macros, 17 to 18 grams of protein, Calories range from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams of net carbs. The flavors are amazing. They're all tasty and they're all 
healthy. We got a deal for you. Go to builtbar.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto, a family business serving do it yourselfers for over 20 years. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and right in your pocket, save time and save money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. All right, it's time for the New York Jets. And obviously, new head coach there in Robert Sala. Joe Douglas, fairly new as the general manager. And so when you look at the recent draft halls, 2020 and 21, that's it. That's all they're responsible for. So that's something to be mindful of. But I do think that they've done a good job of finding some foundational pieces to work with, whether that's going back to 2019 and getting a guy like Quinn and Williams, number three overall, and what he showed last year. Mekhi Becton at, at number 11, your, your potential franchise left tackle. Zach Wilson, number two overall, and, and finding that quarterback. So they've, they've been able to get some nice building blocks. I, I really like both of the drafts for Joe Douglas to this point. What doesn't give Joe Douglas or, or what doesn't give Joe, do Joe, Joe Douglas any favors is going, you know, prior to that. Yeah. And seeing, seeing players that are really helping him assemble this roster. I know that they were able to trade Jamal Adams and get a bunch of draft capital in exchange and they were able to extend Marcus May. But man, there's just not a whole lot else to look at from prior years that's helping him shape the roster today. And you, you, I mean, you look at 2016 and and move your way to 2018, that three-year stretch Mm. is a really rough go for the jets. And they only had eight top 100 picks over those three seasons combined. Uh, But, and those players were Darren Lee, Christian Hackenberg, Jordan Jenkins in 2016, Jamal Adams, Marcus May, or Darius Stewart, in 2017, Sam Darnold and Nathan Shepard in 2018. Not good enough, man. No. There, I mean, there's – and I, I guess that's the confusing thing is you think about this Jets team, right? And it's, it's not like you look at the Patriots and say, oh, well, they were outside the strike zone of the top half of the first round. Yeah. You, you know, there, there's more – volatility once you get into the mid twenties and so on and so forth, which is where the Patriots pick if they're not winning the super bowl. Uh, Darren Lee was picked at 20. Okay. They were picking sixth in the order in 2017. And that was, Oh, and then, and then in 2018, they picked third originally picking six and traded up with the Colts to get to number three overall. So they moved up from six to three. So, that's a that's kind of some rough lumps to take there, and you even look at 2019, Joe and Jakai Polite and Chuma Adoga's top 100 picks in that draft class. So yeah. I think those mid rounds are where 
if you look at why the Jets, a, a big reason why they are in the situation they are from a talent perspective, previous regimes on day two of the draft have not been good enough, point blank, period. Life cycle status, they're clearly rebuilding, yes. right? I mean, no everything's question. new here. I think they're going to continue to gut the roster. You know, I'm not sure how much pre-2019 or pre-2020 really is going to right. stick around. Maybe, they'll keep Quinn and Williams and they'll, they'll call it a day from that track. Maybe, Marcus May, maybe, you know, so uh, some challenges there, but uh, I, I like Salem and I like Douglas. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Future needs. Um, <laughs> I think corner really, really pops. Uh, I think they need more talent there. Offensive tackle where Morgan Moses was signed late in the, off season to be mm-hmm. their right tackle. They're, they're going to need to replace him edge. Unfortunately, Carl Lawson went down with a season that ending stinks, injury, man. And it stinks, man. They needed him, right? Because they didn't have much else. And so they need insurance for Lawson as he works back from yet another significant injury, plus an answer opposite of him uh, linebacker. You know, I think that's a spot where Gerard Gerard Davis, Davis got hurt too. He got hurt and they're counting on him and, you know, they have Mosley wrapped up, but he needs a running mate. Tight end, right? I was going to say tight end and running back are are two other big needs for them as well. I know running back can be plug and play with the San Francisco Shanahan style rushing attack. I get it. But, you know, P. Ryan in the fourth round of 2020, Michael Carter in the fourth round of 2021. Like, do you have a primary ball carrier out of that group? No. No. Tevin Coleman will be sprinkled in for sure, but. You know, they'll need to keep investing tight end, right? Like, I don't think Chris Herndon is going to be an answer for you. And I wouldn't stop at receiver either, Kyle. I, I'd want to keep making sure that Zach Wilson has dynamic football players to throw the ball to. This is why you're a rebuilding team because – Yeah, there's a lot of needs. <laughs> and I, I'm not saying this to be funny, but that is – the luxury that Joe Douglas has is literally just – and we joked about it last week – just draft good players. Yep. Like you're Joe Douglas. Like the only thing I'm considering off the table is quarterback because I just made a top two investment in quarterback from there. Just draft the best players that you can and worry about getting talent and then figure out how those pieces fit together and go from there. As long as they fit the style of football that you want to play, pick good players. I don't care what position they play, get talent on your team. To Shea. We hope you consider us talented enough to be a part of your weekly podcast rotation. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, the draft dudes. That's going to do it for us on this Monday episode of the show. We're finishing up this series this week. We got the Friday free for all preseason is upon us. Joe, we got college football on Saturday. Mm. Thank the good Lord above the football gods are smiling upon us. It's football season. Thank goodness for that which means you're going to have to hit subscribe, follow along the draft dudes and stay plugged in Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino. Thanks as always for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.